Hi, I'm Becky. And I'm Haley. And this is How to Not Get Killed. We're fucking back, bitches. Guess who's back? Back, back, back again, again, again. <laughs> Becky and Haley are back, back, back. Tell a friend, friend, friend. Uh, I actually had a friend where we were out somewhere and that, um, not that song came on, but, um. <laughs> yeah, who even yeah, still plays that song? The, let's get down, let's, let's get, get down, down to business. And she looked at me and she was like, every time I hear this song, I think of Becky now. I ruined so many songs <laughs> for people. I'm okay with it. Like, well, what else are you gonna think about? It's I'm okay with it. It's Becky's song. They're all she owns songs. the rights to it now. I do, I do. So that's our first fun fact: is I now own <laughs> multiple songs. <laughs> um, yeah, we took a break, guys. We took a break. We took a break. And you know what? Honestly, I was even just like saying it to Drew this morning. We fucking needed it. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, that's funny. I was just going to say that if you didn't say that, it, we, we needed that break. It's, I think so. It's uh, not not because of, you know, you guys. No, you guys all you guys suck. Not, you guys you drive us crazy. But uh, I think it's just been busy, a busy summer for both mm-hmm. of us. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think, yeah, I think we, sometimes we take on, Becky and I are busy girls. Sometimes yes. we just take on stuff. Yeah. And we're just like, yeah, yeah, we'll do, I'll do that. Yeah. I'll do that. And I'll do that. And then yeah. you want me to completely fully restore your call? I'll do it. Yeah. Not, I'll do it. <laughs> and then we get to a point where we're like, ah, fuck. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> so, you know what? We're learning. We're rolling. We're. Yeah. But yeah, we just decided we were like, hey, like podcasters do that, right? Yeah. Like, I think you said it to me one day. You're like, they do take breaks. And I was like, really? I know. <laughs> it, it took me a while to admit, too, because I was like, no. No days off. <laughs> Hashtag no days off. We cannot miss a week. But yeah, like, because sometimes there are podcasters that'll take like four months off and then just only run like how like a show season. Yeah, like. lots of podcasts do like seasons, which obviously we don't do because we're not like a investigative podcast. Like we don't like have like specific, like one case that we're talking yeah. about for eight episodes. Which like, can you imagine? I know, that would be so cool. Oh, me, I was like, that sounds like a lot of work. Well, you were <laughs> investigating it. Yeah. Well, it would be a lot of work, but yeah. it, would, it, would, it would be cool. I it just don't be, think I could do it. It would be both cool and horrible all at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In my opinion. But, uh, yeah, we don't, obviously we don't do that. So, it, like, I think it feels weird for us to be, like, when should we just, like, take a break here or there or, you know. And, and we have talked about how, like, Christmas time or something, like, busy times of the year yeah. where we might anticipate. We might just take a few weeks off or something because. Yeah. We deserve it. Yeah. We work really hard, you guys. <laughs> um, ever, actually, everyone's been super supportive. Now, yeah. I think, so I don't even I don't, feel like we need to justify this. I don't know why I was expecting everyone to be like, fuck you, bitches. What are you talking about? But no, that didn't happen at all. Everyone was like, yeah, that's normal. <laughs> I was like, oh, why did I cry for four hours? <laughs> it's like, like so in our heads about it. Um, why did we have like so long break deals? <laughs> <laughs> I went to like the hospital. <laughs> like, it was... <laughs> It was bad. Cause, yeah. Yeah. No, she didn't. Guys. I Becky's didn't. okay. I Becky's didn't. okay. No, I'm just very dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> Tears were shed, though. <laughs> okay. So we got, we've got a few orders of business to get through. Yeah. A few things on the agenda, if you will. Stuff. Stuff. Yeah. Stuff's happened in the interim. Yes. Okay. So number one, and I know this is super late because you signed up literally like the day we had decided we're taking our little bit of a break. So welcome our new minion. Oh, our new sleazeball. Apology. Sleazeball. Sleazeball, sleazebag, whatever you want to be called. Ella Barker. Hi. Hello. Hi. Another fellow, like, knitting community member. Mm-hmm. So welcome. We love you. Thanks for joining. Yeah. And and sorry that right when you signed up, we were like, ha, peace. <laughs> we're out. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. But we will make it up. We will always we have- say your names, guys. Just... Depends on when we get to it. Yeah. <laughs> we will get to you when we get to you. <laughs> Friends reference. Yeah, yeah. You got it. I was just uh, saying. I know. Yeah, I know you did. Um, I said the word leafy earlier. Yeah. And then we went and to we do a whole like, monologue. For leafy. Leafy. <laughs> so, good stuff. Okay, the next thing I have here on my bullet list is congratulate Haley on engagement. Congrats! <laughs> Woo! Thank you. Thank so, you. And yeah. Becky, yeah, if you guys are wondering, Becky knew long before I, I did. did. I did. Luke just, like, 
dropped me. a bomb on her Literally. after recording one day yes. and I had to run out to go to to go work out yeah. and then you were just and then he just I was I don't know literally I was loading my car with my bags and stuff he had graciously offered to carry my bags for me he was helping me you left to go to your workout class completely ditched me it's fine it's fine well yeah because Hillary's in the car like we're late she was like honking and screaming (laughs) so you guys left and then he was just like oh I have something to tell you and I was just like what could Luke possibly have to tell me like moments after Haley leaves? I'm sure you yeah. were expecting it about as much as I was expecting it on the day. Honestly, I, I, I cried, which you, you know, I don't like tear well, up often, but it, like, yeah. yeah. So I was, I was going to say emotional. I cried too, but I mean like I cried every yeah. day. So I guess yeah. no one's surprised. I, I also made a really funny joke to Jade. I'm going to repeat it. I'm telling you guys a joke. So <laughs> Luke like dragged me upstairs, like showed me the ring. And I even said to Jade that like when he opened it, I was just like, yes, a thousand times. Yes. <laughs> Like, like as if he was proposing to me. Like that's how just like fantastic it was. <laughs> she was like, "That's pretty funny." So, <laughs> that's hilarious. So, Thank you. I'm yeah. not surprised. So actually, you're wearing my ring. <laughs> shit is shit. <laughs> I'll just uh, keep it warm for yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. It's okay. But yeah, so they yeah. got engaged in the most beautiful place on earth. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, it was pretty magical. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't have anything to do with it. No, no she put in zero <laughs> effort. She just showed up. I was just there. Yeah, <laughs> but that's all you need to do when you're being proposed to. You just need to be there and hopefully say yes. Which, in case you guys are wondering, she did say yes. I did say yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How <laughs> funny would that be if we like, like go through this whole thing? Yeah. It's like, by and the way, so, they broke yeah. up. Now they have to sell the house. Moved up yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's upstairs packing. <laughs> so yeah, okay. And then the, the next yeah. thing on my bullet list here is happy birthday <laughs> i'm not gonna but we're wishing Haley happy birthday thanks guys because originally we, i think we had tried we were gonna like record last time and then continued our break mm-hmm. so there was technically supposed to be an episode airing on your birthday and i had this whole plan that when we started recording i was just gonna sing full happy birthday and be like make it as uncomfortable as humanly possible all right. Well, we can all be relieved that that yeah, that you only had just the two words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we're not doing that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll do it next year. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. Your, your birthday's coming up. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? It's gonna be good though. It's gonna be good. Oh, okay. And the next thing on the list is, as of today, we're celebrating one year of recording together. Woo! 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 Yeah. That's so, fantastic. Yeah, a whole year of me and Haley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully a hundred more years to come. A <laughs> hundred more to go. <laughs> Imagine. A hundred well, and like who knows? Maybe, maybe by the time we're like 75, they discover like how to make us immortal and then yeah. we get to benefit from that. Yeah. <laughs> I Yeah, I think that's probably the case. Yeah, yeah. So then I hopefully just... we will be recording when we're a hundred and twenty-eight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to round up a bit. <laughs> I actually said something um, like before, like five days before my birthday, oh, God. and it, I'll tell you who it was that was there. But it was a friend from high school, and her birthday is also in August. And uh, someone asked me like, "Oh, how old are you?" I was like, "27," and she's like, <clears throat> um, "At 28," and I was like, "In five days." <laughs> oh my god, we're so sour about it. I know. <laughs> you know what? I already feel like I'm like 40, so I'm already yeah, I'm already an old woman. So yeah, here I mean, here we are. Just getting closer to it in age. That's true. That's true. All right. Should we do this? Oh, oh, oh this? Yeah. I don't know. Should we take another break? Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Imagine everybody be like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> All right. Let's do this. Let's do right. this. I'm, I'm ready. I'm not ready. I'm. No one's I, ready. I know. No one's ready. Okay. And I, like I said, I like watched documentaries about this case and kind of like, Oh, so that I don't need to cover it. it. (laughs) But I don't, you know, when you like see, when you consume so much true crime, that sometimes it all blends together. Honestly, yeah, I was actually thinking that. I was like, well, which one murdered literally 74 people in one sitting? Or was that this person? Yeah. It was just like, why do I know these details? So I've like (laughs) heard podcasts on this case and like seen, I think, a documentary or something, but not recently. So when I found out you were doing the case, I obviously like, I don't, like I usually do, I don't like seek anything out. So it, most of it will be like either like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Or like, I just didn't know. Cause I haven't actually researched in depth, right. The way you have. So I'm very interested to hear. I know the investigation is interesting. It is. Yes. Okay. So the investigation is honestly like my favorite part. So that's why 
right now we're sitting at three parts. We possibly might be splitting it into four. Obviously, by part two, you'll know. We'll figure that out. But it's be a multi-parter. Either way, it's a multi-parter. Yeah. But yeah, the investigation is so interesting. Like yeah. it's there's so many twists and turns, and like the interviews that happen are what to me is like interesting because they're kind of laughable. Yeah. We'll get there. You know, I'm gonna say my opinions. Yeah. Because I've got excited. so many. Yeah. But also too, like I wrote these episodes before our break. So this episode, I'm like, I'm just like kind of reading it for the first time in like weeks. I know. And you just like leave it for a yeah, while. And so then you don't know what you wrote. So but... I'm like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> like pause for a second. It's because I just, I like, can't even remember what stupidity I probably wrote down. We'll see. We're just going to fly by the Sorry, short of my pants. We have a forgiving audience. Yeah. Apparently. Apparently. Which I thank you guys. Yeah, you guys we are, love you. You guys are almost like way too flexible. You guys are too nice. You guys are too nice. Honestly, harshen up with us a little bit. I feel like I need that. I feel like I need some more tough love. Not Get that, tough with it's us. Okay, take your time. No, be like, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> I was gonna like think of something edgy and smart, but I couldn't. Okay, so obviously by now you've read the title of the episode, we've kind of alluded to it, and you know what case we're covering. Or maybe you haven't, and that's okay too. But this week we're follow Yes. See, I'm already talk about everything <laughs> but this week and the following two weeks we're covering the hillside stranglers yep. yeah oh i made the mouth noise we're it's like easy. 10 minutes in it drives me so mad because we i we know already that the like audio right now as we're recording it isn't at the par that we usually try to be at and drew's gonna have some editing to do and now we just did mouth noises he's going to murder me guys <laughs> so if you never hear from me again i'm somewhere and then it will be, and you, then I will continue yeah. investigating your yes. It's It's perfect. Here we go. It's perfect. Also, okay, Mount I'm, noises I'm totally, galore. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. You would never murder me. If, if anything, it would probably be the other way around. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We love each other so much. I sometimes forget that I make way too many jokes about and then you. And then do you also picture it being played in court where it's like just yes. a snippet taken out of context? Yeah, it's like, like if I'm anything, it would be the other way around. Yeah, and then it's like I murder his ass. Did you or did you not say that on August? (laughs) Whatever today is. Whatever. (laughs) And it would be like, well, obviously I said it. (laughs) It's me. That's not my voice. (laughs) That's not me talking on that recording. (laughs) Really hurt to do. (laughs) Okay, so let's do this. Let's do this. Obviously, the usual warning we give at the beginning of basically every episode, or at the very least, every episode I cover, because I'm a disgusting person who apparently can't help myself from picking the most graphic and disturbing cases. So here it is. Full warning. This is a rough one. Bad. It's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad, guys. There are parts where, like, it's fucking bad. (laughs) It's bad. So a little brief intro for those who aren't familiar before we dive in too deep and you can decide whatever if you want to listen or not. Um, the Hillside Stranglers are slash war cousins Kenneth Bianchi and Angelo Buono, who over the span of October 1977 to February 1978 raped, tortured, and killed at least 10 women in the hills of Los Angeles. The media at the time had titled them the Hillside Stranglers. It was a very short time span of crimes, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like what, October, November, December, January, February. Five months. Yeah. Just uh, rained totally terror. It was no, it's very that. quick. And yeah. there's like, you will come to see more so in part two that there is hardly any cooling off period in between kills. Mm-hmm. Like, hardly. Well, yeah, I can't do much. No. No. Okay. So, part one, we're going to be covering both the backgrounds and go over like their initial meeting of their first victim. Um, so we'll get to that. Part two is going to be heavily the murders and the crimes and everything. Part three is more so the aftermath and a lot of the investigation and a lot of the like really, really interesting stuff in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, and then I have that weird fact that I told you about last mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. I feel a burp coming on in case you're wondering what's happening with my voice. <laughs> what's happening to you? <laughs> so funny. What my body's experienced. I felt it like it started like in my chest and it's just been like crawling its way up. Yep. I got it. Okay, we're good. Okay, so I'm just going to say this weird fact because I literally wrote weird fact to randomly throw in somewhere. but And I don't know where, where it would be good to throw in. So and that's why there there might possibly be a part four. We'll see. Yeah. Oh no, this no, this 
this fact is the one I told you about already. Oh, the one you told me? Oh, yeah. The yeah. one where it's just like literally just like a sentence long. <laughs> so, okay. One point, I think it's interesting just because of Red Hot Chili Peppers being my favorite band. Of course. But at one point throughout the investigation, Anthony Kiedis was actually arrested and questioned mainly because at the time he fit the profile of what they thought was the killer, just mm -hmm. individual, because there was a time where they thought it was one. Um, and he was like in the area at the time that the crimes were happening. How crazy. Obviously, spoiler, it's not <laughs> Anthony Kiedis, but it, like, it's not, yeah. Also, the source that I found this from is one of those, you know, those books where it's just like, big book of serial killers and then they get like all the facts wrong mm -hmm. You've, have you seen those books yeah. where it's just like yeah. come on who, how did this get published yeah. and fact checked but so it was in one of those books so i also don't know the validity behind it but i thought it was interesting enough to write down yeah that is interesting so, yeah i'm kind of glad he's not the hillside strangler because i'm very glad but yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah so anyways back to real crime okay so <laughs> Okay, we're going to get into Kenneth, Ken, or Kenny, whatever you want to call him first. There's just a lot more info on him. We'll get into Angelo's background after. And there's like a good chunk on, on him, just not nearly as much as mm -hmm. Kenneth. We're probably, I'm probably going to say like Kenny, whatever, like, because there, there's like, his name's written differently Different in like ways. every source. Yeah. Most frequently it's Kenny, but I just feel juvenile saying Kenny for some reason. Yeah, it's like. Yeah. Kenny versus just Penny. Sounds, like, it just like, feels you, very... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Bill versus Billy. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well... Yeah. I mean, you're an adult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Saying Kenny makes it sound like you're a child who didn't have control over your actions. You're <laughs> Kenneth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you make choices. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, anyways, Kenny <laughs> was born in Rochester, New York. He was born on May 22nd, 1951. Almost 17 years after Angelo, so there's about a 17-year gap. Um, his uh, his mother, who was a 17-year-old sex worker and alcoholic, had given him up for adoption when he was born. He was then adopted by local residents Nicholas Bianchi and Francis, I'm going to say this wrong, Cialono? Salono? Okay. I can't see it. It sounds right. But when you see it, you're probably going to be like, oh, it's obviously Cialono, and you're going to like do some like crazy <laughs> Italian thing. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> But so I said it right, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Fuck it. So though his early on upbringing years was pretty normal and stable, um, Kenneth became pretty quickly a pathological liar very early in his childhood and spent a lot of time like daydreaming, which later on he does get like a diagnosis. The daydreaming becomes attributed to petite mal seizures when he was five. That's when he got that diagnosis. I put a little thingy in here so I could explain those because I know someone's probably like, what is that? So petite mal seizures, which are now called absence seizures. Um, these types of seizures are often set off by a period of hyperventilation. So kind of like a, almost like a panic attack. Like they're set off from like stress usually. Okay. Um, they cause you to blank out or stare into space for a few seconds. So it could look like you're just daydreaming. You know, just yeah. like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I've yeah, heard of Like a blank kind. Yeah. Um, it isn't like the traditional Caesar. Caesar. Do you, do you drink or a salad? It's, it's not your traditional Caesar salad. Um, <laughs> sorry, guys. It's just me. You know, they probably, yeah, they've missed this. They've missed this for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so you're not like seizing on the floor, like yeah. having convulsions. It's not like that. It's just an absence of self. One of the main causes is an abnormal and intense electrical activity in the brain. They're mainly common in children, like extremely common. Like that's usually the targeted mm -hmm. age that this happens in, which is normal for the age that he was diagnosed at. Um, and they don't typically cause long-term problems. The reason why I wanted to add that in there is because I know someone might be like, well, he behaved this way because of the seizures. And it's like, no, because there's actually like not really any science to prove that having petite mal seizures or absence seizures, if you will, cause long-term effects on your brain. They don't. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Because, like, you know, I'll be like, oh, head trauma. Where'd that happen? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, he also had a short fuse and was diagnosed with passive aggressive personality disorder. Don't know what age he was diagnosed with that at. Okay. But at, that feels like feels early in life to be diagnosing a personality disorder when you're, like, a kid still. Because he's mm -hmm. still a kid at this point. 
Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I know a couple people with that disorder. Yeah. <laughs> Are you hinting at me? No, 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 not you. Because <laughs> I am extremely passive aggressive. <laughs> oh my god! Can you imagine if that's you know, how you, just, you were like, you bitch? You know, you just meet people, and you're just like, you oh. just operate under. Yeah. Just your regular Sarcasm. state is passive yeah. aggressive. Yes. Um, okay, so Kenneth was also unable to sleep, and he wet the bed frequently. Um, I didn't add this in my notes, but one fun point, this probably didn't help with his self-esteem. Like I'd say he's probably about, let's see here. Oh yeah. He's about nine. So this is rough, but his mom started making him wear essentially like diapers. Oh yeah. Which like a nine year old, that would be humiliating. It is. No, it would, like, yeah, it would be humiliating yeah. for sure. Like it just would be, you'd get bullied for sure. I don't, she made him wear diapers like just all the time or only when he went to bed? It was just noted that he was wearing sanitary pads and diapers. Oh, so it's yeah. like, and then also like, like the word sanitary pads, my mind goes to like feminine products yeah. where it's like, so was she just buying him pads? Because that would also do a lot to your like psyche yeah. at a young age where you're like, oh great, I have to use what like women wear for periods. Well, yeah. And it's even like, think about like a nine-year-old boy looking at like the packaging it's coming out of yeah stuff, you'd be humiliated like, no matter what and it's all for women and flowers so. and vaginas on it yeah. it's just like it's <laughs> it's humiliating no, <laughs> there's blood everywhere <laughs> um, but yeah no that would definitely be a bit like dramatizing yeah yeah so he actually is like stated as i don't know what age they did the iq test at but he stated as having an iq of uh, 116 which is like really high i think yeah i think what the average is about 100 yeah i think so 90 to 100 is like anything. an average yeah yeah but he was also noted as like an underachiever in school so on january 2nd of 1957 which he would be oh i went back a little bit he would have been like five or six for this incident but um kenneth accidentally fell off of a jungle gym and landed on his face so, like, I don't know if that was any kind of start of head trauma, but nothing was noted as, like, when he had to go to the hospital after. It was just, like, this happened to him. Sucks, but. Nah, yeah, kids fall down. Yeah. Eh, we, yeah. we drop kids all the time. <laughs> yeah. They're soft. They just bounce. They just bounce back, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, his mother, in an attempt to change his ways, because keep in mind, he is, like, a pathological liar. They're having, like, behavioral issues with him. Right. Um, sent him to a private Catholic elementary school. Things were normal there-ish. Um, in July of 1963, he pulled down a six-year-old girl's pants and then had just kind of spontaneously decided, like, he just liked doing that. Which is alarming. Like, he, like, pants her? Yeah. He pants her. Okay. Yeah. And he would be 12. Yeah. Yeah. 63, he was 12. Um, which alarming but also kind of like i, I got pants every fucking day in my life. i think like, it's alarming in the context of like who we know he is as a person mm -hmm. um and we can connect that to like future behavior but yeah. in isolation yeah lots of kids got pants at school yeah and, and lots of kids was, pants and they don't turn out to be serial yeah. rapists and killers so yeah yeah it's not i mean it's not appropriate it's not no. like it's humiliating and like really it's violating. It like, is, no yeah. kids should be going around pulling other kids' pants <laughs> no, off. No, that's wrong, but I guys. Think it, Don't do that. It is, yeah, it's not, like, like for the child that that's happening to. It's traumatizing as fuck. Oh, yeah. Um, But it is something that you do see. Yeah. Yeah. Happen. There was one time it did happen to me. I got pantsed. I'm trying to remember if I did. Like, I no, feel I, like... I remember this one vividly. I think it happened, like, twice to me. Like, that I can remember. But there yeah. was one time where I was wearing day of the week underwear. Oh no. So Becky. they, okay, I know. <laughs> they were clean, okay, guys? They were fucking clean. They just but it just wasn't the right day. It wasn't the right day. And everybody was like, Becky's wearing underwear from like four days ago. She's dirty. And I was like, these were fucking clean. Like, come on. My Wednesday ones were in the laundry. I can't wear my dirty Wednesday ones. Like, so yeah, that was rough, guys. That's mm -hmm. why I'm such a sarcastic piece of shit. <laughs> that's my Passive trauma. Aggressive. That's my trauma. <laughs> Imagine if that's like just the only bad thing, just you getting pants. Honestly, that's it. Just changed your entire <laughs> just, character. That's my origin story. <laughs> <laughs> so it did happen. I can't. I honestly, I can't even remember who did it. That's how like much it bothered me that I wasn't wearing the right day. Yeah, 
can still hear them screaming. <laughs> I'm fine, I guys. Don't hear the laughs in my nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in 1964, Kenneth's father, Nicholas, had died suddenly. Um, I actually don't know what he had passed away from. I didn't go searching too deep into that. Um, but this apparently had like zero effect, at least like visually on Kenny. He's noted as like not crying or showing like literally any emotion at all from this. And they had a reasonable relationship. Okay. Like it wasn't like a strenuous relationship by any means. Like not that I found at least like, you know, just regular mm-hmm. parent son stuff. Um, after this, he had moved to a public school there. He just kind of like dated frequently. He also, this is a fun note to have. He, uh, joined a motorcycle club and then got a tattoo that says Satan's own MC. Ah, uh, yeah. I also have one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. So now it's 1969. He's 18. He just kind of randomly out of nowhere proposes to a woman he had been dating like very, very briefly. Um, her name was Susan. Thank God she turned him down. Yeah. <laughs> this happened Good for a lot. you, Susan. This happened a lot. <laughs> okay. Just get ready. It's good. Um, it's at this age too that he wrote to one of his girlfriends. I don't know which one. I want to say it was probably Susan since that seems to be the person he was like closest with at the time. Um, but so he writes a letter to her saying that he's been named a suspect in what's called the alphabet murders. I don't know if you've heard of those. I have. Okay. Yes. And that he's killed somebody and it's almost like a weird confession like letter, Weird, but not super alarming. Like the tone was very like, can you believe they suspect me? Like I killed somebody. And like, just like some of the phrasing he uses was like, Almost confession-like, but, like, could be joking. Mm-hmm. But so she just thought it was a sick joke and kind of just, like, moves on from that. So I'm going to do, like, a really, really short little brief thing on the alphabet murders here. Because this comes back to something I have to talk about in either part three or four. Okay. So the so-called alphabet murders were a series of murders in Rochester, New York, where Angelo and Bianchi's, like, hometowns were. They happened between 1971 and 1973. Mm-hmm. The victims were girls of different ethnicities aged 10 to 11 who lived in the town and came from poor Catholic families. Okay. They were raped, strangled, and dumped in the wilderness. So very similar MO mm-hmm. to what's to come. Yeah. One thing that made the case notable was the fact that all three victims had double initials. For example, their first and last name began with, began with the same letter, and their bodies were then found in nearby areas whose name began... began sorry, I, I can never say that word when I'm reading it. Began? I, I don't know why my brain reads it as that. With the same letter. So, for example, the first victim was Carmen Cologne, 10, and she was found in Churchville. So, uh, CCC. I see, yeah. The second victim and third victims were... Wanda Wachowski, age 11, found in Webster. Michelle May, May, Manza, 11, found in Macedon. Okay. So that, they were killed in 1973. After that, the perpetrator appears to have stopped killing. There have been a few suspects, and including, like, persons of interest, who, one of the persons of interest killed himself six weeks after the murder stopped, but was cleared from DNA testing in 2007. Okay. Yeah, so one of the most notable suspects being Kenneth, um, he lived in Rochester and worked as an ice cream vendor at the time of the murders, dealing largely with children. So that was like one of his odd jobs that he had was like being the ice cream man, talking to kids all day. Though he denies having committed the murders, he, that's my fun point. He denies these. Yeah. Keep that in mind for episode three or four. Okay. He remains under suspicion, and there is circumstantial evidence against him. His car was spotted at two murder scenes, and the third victim had told her father that she was going out for ice cream the day she disappeared. Okay. Yeah. Another suspect was Joseph Nazo, uh, 77, who was arrested in Reno, Nevada in April 2011. Oh, actually, I don't remember writing this, but here it is. 
on suspicion of a number of murders dating back to 1977. Some of his suspected victims in California include Roxanne Rog Rogish, so RR, yeah. and Paula Parsons, EP. So another victim attributed to him was also named Carmen Cologne, which was similar to the other one of the actual alphabet murders. Um, while he was tried for his six murders, he was ruled out from the alphabet murders when DNA was tested against a sample from one of the victims. So like the person that they were like, this could be him from Nevada. It would make sense, but it wasn't yeah, him. Exactly. So I think they're still unsolved. Yeah, I think they so, are. So, well, when you said something or when you had asked if I had heard it, I have heard of it and I feel like they're unsolved. I think so. From what I remember. Yeah. We will get into why I still think he is almost certainly. Key being Kenneth Bianchi. Kenneth, yeah. 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 I think, I think that's probably where I heard about them. I probably heard them in the podcast that like. They probably, was recounting. Yes, I feel like stranglers, and I feel like it's always mentioned because I think so because it is it plays he's a, role. a strong suspect. I think he's the strongest suspect. Yeah. I I also haven't di like dove too deep into the case. I just did like a brief little blurby do that way. It was just kind of like oh the alphabet murders brush over, you know. So yeah. I would like to cover that case at some yeah, point. Yeah, so it is sure. on our list. Don't don't worry about that. Another group coming. Pardon me. <laughs> That was a good one. <laughs> okay, back to it, back to it. So after graduating in 1971, he married his high school sweetheart, Brenda Beck, but they divorced after eight months, deciding that he wanted to become a police officer. Oh, of course. Don't they all? Don't they all? <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly. So Kenneth enrolled at Monroe Community College to study police science and psychology, but dropped out of college after just one term sad he should have just continued and maybe got a little bit more educated and then not fucked his whole life up mm -hmm. and, um, would be nice would have been nice would have been nice um he applied for a position at the sheriff's department but was rejected i don't know why but he took on a series of small odd jobs and eventually like became a security guard at a jewelry store from which he was quickly fired for stealing and giving the like stolen goods to various girlfriends oh my gosh i know like just pay for the stuff you have a job like or like just don't steal it I yeah mean, like, really think that you're not gonna get caught that's it's thing. like when people like get hired at certain like places and stuff and it's like okay so for however long this person has owned this store operated it with no issues with the employees that are existing there and then they hire you and then all the shit goes missing like Obviously, like someone's totally, gonna connect the dots. Like it's not that hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not rocket appliances. Like <laughs> anyone who watches Trailer Park Boys is dying right now. <laughs> but yeah, so the habit stuck with him throughout a series of upcoming jobs. So it's not like he just like learned his lesson from this job. He was obviously, like, not. he was like, obviously, I'm not stealing good enough. <laughs> I keep getting caught. I'm doing it right. <laughs> So this is where things are starting to get a little... So January of 1976, Kenneth moves in with Angelo in Los Angeles. He's 25 now. So okay. And you said Angelo is 17 years older? Yeah, but we, we will get to Angelo's background. But yeah, okay. so there's like a 17-year age gap. I believe it's 17. Okay. Eh, yeah. Fuck them, both of them. <laughs> so he moves to California, moved in with his cousin, Angelo Buono, who taught him how to use fake police badges to, like, extort free sex from prostitutes. Because that's Gosh. that's what they like doing. Yeah. He was just like, this works. Like, do this. Of course it's going to fucking work. But like, also, like, I feel like if I was the sex worker, I'd be like, okay, you just said you caught me. But, like, you had the sex with me. Yeah, but, like... It and now you're not turning me in. Yeah, but that's the thing, is that to be, I, and I'm no yes. shade on cops, but, like, there are probably cops, that oh, have, like, yeah. real cops that have done you that. You know what? You're right. You're right. I'm thinking the world is a good place. <laughs> that's what I mean. And if you're, if you're a sex worker, then all you've probably experienced from law enforcement is negative experience. Oh, 100%. So, yeah. yes, of course that would work. And yeah. then they would just get away with it. And I'm sure most of them probably thought they were cops. Yeah. Just extorting them. Yeah. Yeah. So there was also this... It, this part sounds a little similar to something else that happens later that, like, sets them on their path of murder. 
but it is a little different. So they also at one point had become pimps for a short period of time until the two girls that they had working for them, um, Sabra Hannon and Becky Spears, they managed to escape. There is a whole story there. I haven't included that in here just for like time's sake and focusing on like more of like the victims who's who've passed from them. Yeah. Because those two girls, not that they didn't experience trauma, they absolutely did. Mm-hmm. Um, but they escaped and I just kind of don't want to like bring them in. Yeah, I understand. I do Sometimes understand. I'm just like, I'm going to just pick. Especially when it's like not just a small sidebar. It's like a whole thing. Yeah. So if you guys are interested in that, I'm sure there's information. Oh, there's so much. It's, yeah. I might even, we could even one day do like a 30 minute bonus episode on that. Because mm-hmm. I've got the info. I just, mm-hmm. we're skipping it. Yeah. So his mom was sending him money because, you know, he's 25 and he's like, mom, I keep getting fired from jobs and I suck at everything. So, yeah. <laughs> so his mom's sending him money to help, like, pay for his rent and stuff. And he buys a car. and He buys a 1972 Cadillac, which is like, at the time, that was a relatively new car because it's 76 right now. So that's a newish oh, car. Yeah, and so it's a Cadillac. Crazy. Like, that's a good brand. At the time, that was a great brand. Well, yeah, I probably would have been yeah. an expensive car. Even today, Cadillac is still, like, revered as, like, it's a like high-end. luxury yeah. kind of car. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I never, I never looked into the cost of it, actually. I should have. You're always good at that. Where you're like, this cost this much, and today <laughs> would be this much. For me, I'm like, <laughs> you bought a car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think it's as important. Yeah, I, I'm more... Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I think I did that for Amityville, though. I think you did. Because yeah. I was so curious about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, we it's, we don't care. He just <laughs> he just went out and bought like probably outside of his means. I think yes. is the important. That would point be like here. if you were like, here, I'm gonna lend you a thousand dollars, and then I like showed up tomorrow with a Tesla. You'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> I just lent you money for groceries, You're and like, wait, I wasn't supposed to buy Louis Vuitton with this. <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> like it's a little much. Yeah. So he kept applying to like the Los Angeles police reserves. Um, at one point, I, again, I didn't go too deep into the story, but it's just like a factor to put in here. At one point he had slept with one of Angelo's son's girlfriends, which okay. would have been pretty young. So like teenager. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to Would have been teenager. On. Yeah. Um, but again, I didn't look too deep into it because I don't want to include that girl in this because I don't know what happened with her. Then in July of 1976, he's still 25, Angelo's like, okay, you need to start paying rent or something more helpful because you're just kind of here sleeping with my son's girlfriends and not doing a lot. Being also, useless. Yeah, just being a useless bag of shit. Probably going to even do the fucking dishes. Yeah. Well, actually, I didn't put this in, but I will talk about it. In a lot of like the documentaries or anything you really see, everyone talks about how pristine Angelo keeps his house. Oh, really? Like, crepishly clean. Okay. Like, what, uh, originally when the first, like, wave of investigators went in, I think they had said that they couldn't even find a single fingerprint in the house. Wow. So he was, like, constantly wiping stuff down. You soon we'll find out why, obviously. Uh, of course. Why yeah. he's like this. But, yeah, he was noted as being very clean. And, obviously, Kenny was just goofy old Kenny. And I'm imagining <laughs> probably maybe was disgusting. a bit of a slob. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he's gross. They're both gross. Um, yeah. So Kenneth applied for jobs at two different local police departments at this point, but neither of them had any open positions. So he's like, I'm still looking. I don't know why he was trying so hard to become a cop, because, like, not only did he finish the schooling for it, like, he didn't finish it. And he's been turned down <laughs> so many times already where they're like, no. Mm-hmm. Like, you're either just not qualified or you fucking suck. Like, so, no, I don't know why you would keep trying. I feel like I would just be like, oh, time to pick another career. Yeah, at some yeah. point you would think, but I guess he was determined. Yeah. Um, he eventually got a job at a title company and spent his first paycheck on an apartment and to help pay for his catalog. He moved in with his then-girlfriend, Kelly Boyd, who he had met at this job. She's a big-ish part of the story. So... Now it's 1977, he's 26, so in May of 77, Kelly announced that she was pregnant with this child. Okay. Kenny does what he believes is the noble thing and proposes immediately. And she's like, no, you're not stable. We can remain in a relationship, but no. Okay. I'm not marrying you. Like, 
you don't have a steady job, you're like very erratic, like, no. Okay. But they just, girl. yeah, honestly, yeah. Like for j- just like to be able to, um, to be able to stand up to someone who like you're in a relationship with and yeah. not to imply that like everyone's end game is marriage, yeah. but she could have been a person who's like, I want to get married eventually. And that proposal would probably have been tempting. Yeah. And then yeah. to say like, but logically I don't think that's the best yeah. thing to do. Like she really I think thought that's it like, yeah, she really thought it through. Yeah. Exactly. And also like at this point now, multiple women are turning down your marriage proposals. What are you doing wrong? I mean, like, what? Yeah, how do you take that? Well, and my thing too is like, okay, obviously this, I feel like this doesn't like apply to like Drew. Cause like if he proposed, obviously I'm saying yes, but like, did you hear that? Drew? Did, you, did you hear that? <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> no, but like, you, you know what I mean? Where like you're in a relationship, like some part of you as the proposer has to know if the person's going to say yes or no. And if that's at all in a question, like, oh, what if they say no? Like, like, I even think about, like, there wasn't a doubt in Luke's mind that you were going to say no. You know what I mean? Like, he he knew for sure you were going to say yes. Yeah. So how silly would that have been to go all the way there, propose to you, if he at all thought she might say no? And I wonder, I, I do agree. I mean, that's obviously, we know, we know it does still happen. And I think that's kind of, like, the perplexing part of it. But I wonder if, sort of, like, the time period that we're looking at between like now which like you said i think people put a lot of thought into it and yeah, they, they try hope. to be really fucking sure and like 1949 <laughs> yeah. when, like that's what i'm saying we're in the middle of like the 1940s and 50s where it's like yeah. you courted someone for a time and like the end game was always marriage okay. so then you're okay you know so it's sort of like it could have it was wouldn't have been as abnormal to like be with someone for six months, especially yeah. if you got them pregnant and be like, I'm going to oh, propose. Yeah. Right. And Fair. so I think, but it's obviously he's lacking the self-awareness of like time and place where he's in the relationship that he's in and the person yeah. that he's with, like you said, to not think about what if she says no. Yeah. I just always I feel like that. it's kind of in that middle of this like, old timey fifties like, mindset and like, this modern thing. <laughs> I think the seventies was very yeah. much that sort of, time period where especially women were sort of like I guess I mean I don't have to get married yeah I don't have to have kids if I don't want to I I can now be freer with my body like there was a lot of revolution happening there yeah and and he maybe just wasn't really on the pulse of that nope (laughs) no (laughs) definitely not (laughs) I mean neither of them are you'll come to see in a minute (laughs) but yeah so I I love that she was just like nah (laughs) not happening so I'll be fine. Yeah. So Kenny goes on to apply again to the Glendale Police Department, but is rejected again. Are we surprised? Um, so he, after that, applies again to the LAPD reserves, but there's no openings. So this is now like his like, I'm going to say eighth try. <laughs> like, just oh give it a rest. Wow. So this is my favorite part. Um, so <laughs> he decides to purchase some phony psychology degrees and credentials. I'm going to put this note in here and I won't say the name, but he buys them from a real human being and there's a name on this, but he changes it to his information. This will come back later. Interesting. Okay. It comes back later. <laughs> Trust me. Mm-hmm. You're going to like it. You're going to be like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. So he then rents some office space from like a legitimate psychologist. Okay. This also comes back later, the whole like credential, every, it just comes back. Um, one thing I laughed at when reading this part of his life, <laughs> it's just so funny to me. It literally says, very few people see Kenneth for help. <laughs> he, he was propositioning himself like, as a psychologist. For business, yeah. So people did see him for therapy. Oh my god! Not, not very many though. Not very many, thank goodness. Yeah. But like, yeah, I just, it, that's hard to wrap my head around. Right? Like, to be honest, like how traumatic where you're going to see someone to talk to you about whatever and like turn traumatic things have happened in your life yeah and then they get a, like eventually get caught and you're like oh my god that's my psychologist right 
I would literally poo in my pants. I don't think I'd ever leave the house. You no. know that movie with like the girl, like, and she doesn't, she has the fear of leaving her house or whatever. Like, is it Amy Adams? Oh shit, what movie is this? This sounds good though. The Girl in the Window or something like that. Oh, is it a show we just watched? The show is like a parody of that movie. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't she know that. She leave her house be, um, because she has like some sort of, I can't remember the phobia, what it's called. Agoraphobia? Is that it? It's not agoraphobia. It might be. No, it might be agoraphobia. Okay. I. It, you know what? It might not be. I think agoraphobia is like the fear of like crowded spaces or See, something. See, I always thought that. But then but I you think know what? We have computers me, in front of us. Yeah, someone told me <laughs> like a while ago that it was, it wasn't. It was like the fear of going outside. Yeah. Or something like You that. know what? I'm looking because we literally have two computers in front of us. I love that. Three. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, what is it? <laughs> really, the tangent I'm going on is that if I went to a psycho- psychologist or a therapist and they turned out to be a serial killer, I would never leave the fucking house. Again. It's agoraphobia. Okay. Okay, yeah. Okay, cool. That's Yeah, I always thought it was fear of crowds as well. That's what I thought, too. Yeah. That's why I was, like, hesitant to even say because I was like, well, I don't feel like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so, anyways. Anyways, imagine that. I would recommend that movie. Okay. Well, should we just watch that? <laughs> should we just, like, end, wrap this up? It's what Taking another break. Bye. See you in seven weeks. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, okay. So he also, at this point, like while literally being a fake psychologist, he started saying that he has cancer so that he can just skip work, which he does quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he is a pathological liar. Yes. Right? So. so shortly after all of these sh- shenanigans, he's then fired from his job at the title company um, because his boss found marijuana in his desk, which like, Nowadays, it's kind of like, well, he probably shouldn't have lost his job over that. But, anyways, he, he also maybe shouldn't be bringing it to work. Now. No, no. <laughs> like, even no, though it's legal the... here, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm just going to be at, like, my job is him or, like, smoking a day. Yeah, oh, so you guys like. Know. Yeah, you want some timbits? <laughs> <laughs> Can't have my eight of all. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would actually be a lethal job for me. It's like working in a. That was, like, the most Canadian job example I yeah. could have ever given. Yeah. yeah, I've never worked at Tim Hortons. No, neither of us have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they probably are like, is it working at Tim Hortons like a rite of it's passage? Like a- <laughs> but, but honestly, I don't know very many people who have. No. Most of our friends worked at McDonald's. Worked at McDonald's. I was yeah. going to say that was like yeah. the big one. That was a good one. <laughs> but yeah, that was, I feel like that was like the hot spot to work when we were like kids. Mm-hmm. Teenagers. Which I neither guess. of us worked at either. But. No, but I did work at um, Harvey's. You did. Where else did I work? I've worked everywhere. You worked at Subway. I worked at Subway. I and worked at Pete's Pizza. Dairy I worked Queen. at Dairy Queen. Um, I worked at Five Guys. I've worked at... You know what? I'm going to hold some information to my chest so that, like, <laughs> some people don't start making, like, a catalog of my info, and then now they've got, like, my security questions to everything. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a lot more. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, I didn't work, I worked at the movie theater for, yeah. like, five and a half years or something. I think it's yeah. just, I just really liked that job. And I well, liked free movies. Well, yeah. I yeah. think that job was, like, perfect. It was, like, the It also job. got me free movies, which I was very okay mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Can we go get movie theater popcorn tonight, please? Maybe. That's a no. That's a mom no. Well, I'm just thinking I can also get Luke to make us popcorn. It's true, but you know how it's just not quite the same? It's not the same. No, I know. I know. Don't You don't have to tell me that. Okay, okay. I was like, <laughs> I, I know you know this, but you know it's not the same, right? <laughs> not to say that his isn't amazing, because it's incredible. <laughs> it's okay. He doesn't listen to the podcast. Get him down here. <laughs> okay, so, anyways, back to our story. <laughs> So he also had Kelly, his girlfriend, drive him to chemotherapy. What? (laughs) And other cancer-related appointments at the hospital, which, like, he obviously didn't have cancer. And I also couldn't find... So much effort, too, though. Like, to, like, sustain your life. Yeah. Right? Like, I feel like that's that's fucking dedication. Mm -hmm. Man. Like, imagine if he just, like, put all of that hard work into, like, something good. Like... There'd be no stopping him. (laughs) Really? But, like, he's a fucking dingleberry. Like, I just don't get it. So, anyways, I did try finding her reaction to all of this. I I couldn't find anything. I don't know if she actually ever knew, like, anything about the cancer being, like, a lie. I don't know. I'm sure she knows now, wherever she is in her world. Um, But I also have no idea, (laughs) like... He just casually was like, bye, I'm going to be at chemo. Like, see you in a little bit. And then did he just, like, go and, like, hide behind a bush or something? Like, what do you fucking do? Or what? Go and grab a cup of coffee? Or, like, what? Now you just have to kill time. And then, like, do you come out, like, 
acting ill because like chemotherapy is like not like an easy thing to go through well no it takes a lot out of you and not even just immediately after but like in the days after yeah like, it makes you really sick exactly yeah so it's like it yeah it wouldn't be like an immediate change you walked out and you're all of a sudden a different person it's like yeah you would have like weeks where you're like weight loss or weight gain for some people mm-hmm. like hair changes like fatigue. fatigue yeah so it's just kind of like how dedicated was he to this lie? Like, did he like shave his head and stuff? No, he didn't. So it's like, mm-hmm. how, how, how long did this lie go on for? That's what I'm curious about, but I couldn't find. It was just that he was like lying about it. And Probably got bored with the lie. And then like, after like three times, like, he was I'm like, I'm cured. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm fine now. The chemo worked. Yeah. It worked after like one treatment. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So we're pausing right here on Kenneth's background because now we're getting into Angelo's. And it's right at this time in both of their histories, which is like roughly September 1977, that things start ramping up for the pair of them. Right. So we're going to cover Angelo's background up until this same point meeting in Kenneth's background. Gotcha. Okay. I want to make sure because I know sometimes when I write it, I'm like, this makes sense. And then like... No, no, no. That makes sense. Okay, perfect. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So again, not as much on Angelo as there is on Kenny, but... Fuck it, we're doing it anyways. So Angelo was also born in Rochester, New York, on October 5th, 1934. His parents were Italian immigrants who divorced when he was young. When Angelo was five, he moved to Glendale, California. So he didn't really live in Rochester, New York very long. Um, He displayed a high interest in sex at a young age. When he was a teenager, he would talk to classmates about how he has and wants to rape several girls. Oh my gosh. As a teenager. Yeah. Which like I I feel like most teenagers like didn't even actually like understand the gravity of the word rape until like late high school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because like I, I even remember being like, oh, what's that? Like up until like yeah. later, where it's just like you don't even understand the like emphasis behind it. So it's just like, okay. So this is also gives you a little insight into Angelo because like they're both fucked for very different reasons. Angelo's like an actual like deviant mind in my yeah. opinion. Like he's yeah. a very dark, dark person. From just the tiny bits you just told me, <laughs> oh, just I'm just that, that to sentence. You. Yeah. yeah. So I I feel like okay. Here's my like analysis briefly. Is like I feel like they were both kind of doomed to be evil mm-hmm. from the very beginning. I feel like Kenny's path gets shaped heavily by Angelo. Mm -hmm. Like he, yes, I do think Kenny would have gone on to probably be a pretty violent person anyways, but probably not nearly as much without Angelo's influence. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so Angelo heavily, heavily idolized, like literally openly talked about this person being his hero, like hero. He talked about this often which was serial rapist Carl Chessman, also known as the Red Light Bandit. I don't know a lot about that case. Maybe we'll do it one day, but okay. a literal serial rapist. Um, he thought that he was his hero, but he believed that Chessman should have killed his victims, not just like raped and let them go. Imagining who was sitting across from Angelo like when he was spewing this that's what Bullshit. I'm shit. Like, that's where I'm like, where do you even get this information? How did, how did I find this? Like, like, yeah, how did he like openly talk about it? People were like, oh yeah, it's Angelo. Like, yeah, oh, that's fucking, that's him. <laughs> Which, okay, also, one of, I'll get more into it probably in like part three or four, but there are some neighbors that like lived beside Angelo that like they're still in utter disbelief utter disbelief that he's even like this because he was such a nice guy. They had barbecues with him, like hid oh. in plain sight. But yeah. then there are other people that are like, I can totally see it. He's a fucking weirdo. Yeah. So it's just like, but there were neighbors maybe that were he like. he learned how to mask it better, like, as he got older. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. So Angelo, in, like, his early years of life, began stealing cars and was placed in a reform school, which is never really a good move that we've at least heard about in true crime. Usually whenever they're like, oh, they were placed in reform school, they end up, like, Ed Kemper or, like. Ted Bundy. I Even more fucked up than when they started out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, okay. Yeah. Um, 
you know what though you know what maybe reform schools worked for some people but uh, definitely... yeah you're right we're only we only ever talk about them in the context yeah, of when like, they became a killer yeah we're never like <laughs> here was this really successful story of a reform school so in 1955 he married his high school sweetheart as well 17 year old geraldine vinal uh who he had also impregnated but he left her less than a week later oh my gosh after they got married Yeah. <laughs> he's a stand-up guy. I don't know what to tell you. He's a catch. Clearly. <laughs> so um, Angelo and Ger- uh, Geraldine's child, who they had named Michael, was later born on January 10th, 1956. But Angelo divorced Geraldine like then and refused to pay child support for Michael. Because, again, he's a really stand-up guy. Yeah, yeah, Oh, for sure. The best. The best. The best. Later on, I don't know exactly how far away from Geraldine this happened, he married Mary Castillo, um, who he had also impregnated earlier, and fathered a total of five children with her. So he's got six in total now. I'm just going to keep a little tally running. Okay. <laughs> Did you like my smile there? Yeah, your face. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Also, I know I've just named Michael, but going forward, I'm just actively choosing to not really name or age any of these children. Because they do not need to be attached to him for this at all. Like, they did not choose to be his offspring. No. So, and I feel like they probably get it hard enough. So, Mm -hmm. we're not mentioning them. In 1964, Angelo believed to, was, sorry, was believed to have raped one of his two-year-old daughters. There wasn't enough information from sources to, like, elaborate on the incident, but it was kind of, like, speculated by everybody. I'm going to say it again. Two-year-old. That is a toddler. That's not even a child. That's still a fetus to me. Yeah. You're not even... That's a fetus. Like, that is... That's such a small person. I don't understand. So, I, even if they can prove it and people want to be like, well, there's no proof. You know what? He's such a fucking disgusting dirtbag that I wouldn't shock me. He idolized a rapist. Is that, Who would be questioning Who this? would question it? You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know that there are people out there oh. that would be like, well, you gotta have proof. You know what? No, I am the judge and jury here, so <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. So that's where I stand. He's a fucking gross person. Yeah. So... Angelo and Mary's marriage also ended in divorce in 1964. She had noted that he had been physically and sexually abusive. Good for her for exiting this relationship. Mary tried to reconcile with him, but after when she was reconciling with him, he handcuffed her and threatened her at gunpoint. I don't know what he was threatening exactly. Like, don't leave me or something. I'm not entirely sure what the whole threat was. So she was like, I'm going to abandon this idea and not reconcile this relationship for like the sake of our a million children. I also don't even know how she managed to get out of this scenario safely, but she did. Yeah, with five kids. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm assuming she took the kids. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole litter. I mean, that's, like, yeah, that's a whole like batch. A station wagon that's, or something. That's, yeah, that's almost half a dozen. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can almost start a TV show with that many. <laughs> So he got married a third time the following year. These are very quick. Like, bang, bang. (laughs) Like, it's happening. So, yeah, he got married a third time the following year to a single mother. So I think she, I don't know how many children she had with another partner. um, But her name was Nanette Campino. And they had conceived two children together. On an unspecified date, um, Angelo was arrested for stealing cars and sentenced to one year in prison. But due to the fact that he had a million children, the sentence was suspended so that he could work and pay child support. Mm, which I'm sure... I don't think he did pay. He, yeah, didn't. <laughs> yeah. So Nanette later divorced him in 1971, like his previous two wives, not only because he was abusing her, but also because he had raped her daughter. Oh. So this is like now a second speculation that he's doing this to like children disgusting the following year after this angelo married once again to a woman named deborah taylor but he just didn't live with her this time this is the year that he became a car upholsterer this is 1975 this is a very important note mm-hmm. and being a car upholsterer is very important yeah keep that in mind 
Yep. Keep it in mind. I'm imagining where that might come in. And if if people don't keep it in mind, even though I've now said it four times, you're getting graded a C minus. <laughs> there's homework. There is homework. No, there's never homework with me. <laughs> so despite his physical appearance and abusive behavior, uh, he was actually considered very attractive to women. I don't think so. We know what is in his black, black soul, though. Yeah. I feel like, okay, if I even try to sit there and do the thing where I completely separate everything and I just know. look at looks, yeah. still not happening for no, me. No, I actually don't even know what he looks like. Oh, you do point. it. Pull it up. I think I know more what Kenneth Bianchi looks like. I could sooner see someone being attracted to Kenneth than Angelo, Angela. but they're both fucking bridge trolls to me, so... But also, again, that's because I know. Oh, actually, I have a picture right here. Oh. Okay, so... He's the one on the left, right? That's Angelo, and that's Kenny. I would agree. I, I think Kenneth is probably more... Con- yeah. Like, this was? Like, no. Ew. No. <laughs> right? Ew. Right? Blech. <laughs> <laughs> we judge heavy on appearance here. This yeah. is... This is yeah. We are very vain. <laughs> very, very. <laughs> but, yeah. And, like, there are some young pictures of Kenneth where I'm like, okay, I can see why he might be able to get several girlfriends. Of but Kenneth or Angela? Of Kenneth. Oh, yeah. But of Angelo, I'm like, how yes, is he fucking nailing so many women? Like, he had, like, a list of them and then cr- produced whole litters of children with them. Like, fuck him. Yeah. Like, like you said, maybe, yeah, maybe younger for Angelo, yeah. but I don't know. I don't no. see it. Blat barf everywhere. <laughs> so during this time too, Angelo frequently forced women to perform oral sex on him and also started dating a teenage girl who he had also impregnated twice. Oh my gosh. So is that 10 now? I'm, I'm actually, I'm literally, I right here it says, so now in case you've started a tally. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in case you've started a tally, <laughs> that's four marriages and divorces, an illegal relationship with a teenager, a total of nine for sure children of his own. It's said that he impregnated the teenager that he had the relationship with twice. I couldn't find out for sure if those pregnancies were carried out to term. Okay, yeah. So nine for sure, possibly 11 if we count the two. Okay. If, if she did carry to term and she had children. Mm-hmm. But because she's a teenager, I also, even if there is information on her, I didn't look. Yeah. Because I don't need to know about what I'm going to consider a rape. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a lot of babies. <laughs> a lot of babies. Nine kids for sure. Possibly 11. Whoa. I'm also going to add this in here because this just feels applicable. I know some really bomb ass people, and I know you do too, who aren't horrifying rapists and murderers who are desperately trying and actively trying to have babies. This fucker gets 11. Mm-hmm. Like, these are the times that I'm convinced the world is just like a simulation and it's all just like some sick joke to see like how wild things can get. Yeah. Where you're like, how could a person that bad be so fertile? That's the thing. <laughs> like <laughs> with multiple fair. women, it's like, it's yeah. just like how, when I, I know families who are like, like there just should so be wholesome. some sort of safe mechanism inside the human yes. body. That's like, Ooh, if you're this evil, then it's just like, <laughs> you just don't get to reproduce. And it just like makes you sterile. Yeah. <laughs> just like, <laughs> maybe one day we'll get to one that. One day. It's, it's like, if you reach peak evil, you don't get to have kids. No more babies. <laughs> None for you. <laughs> yeah. So I just felt that obligated. Cause like we, we know people that are like actively like we're good people. We want babies. And then he gets to have a million. He doesn't care about, and he doesn't care, care about them. any of them. So now it's like there, there are these women who are certainly probably much stronger than I could ever be by carrying this many children and then caring for all of them, paying for everything. It's just like kudos to those women for getting out of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's about 1975 for Angelo. He's working as the car upholsterer and he's doing his normal gross ass shit behind closed doors. And as 1976 creeps around the corner, so does Kenny Bianchi, his cousin, which is when he first moves in with Angelo and their lives fully get intermingled. So let's get back to September of 1977. Like they're back together now. At this time, I think Angelo is technically not married, but I think he has a girlfriend. And I don't know of what age. Maybe it's possibly the teenager, but I've kind of moved on from 
including that realm of his life in the forward happening information. Right. So now Angelo and Kenny are chilling and they're like, Hey, you know what would be super cool and chill of us? If we got young girls to just like casually work for us as prostitutes and we'll be the pimps since we both are short on money. So they arranged a deal to buy a list of names of men from a sex worker that they had both like frequented before named Deborah, Nicole, uh, Deborah Noble. Sorry. So they like made this plan. They're going to buy this list. They're going to find women that they're going to be the pimps for and pimp them out to this list of men that are apparently like high payers, etc. So now it's October. They've settled this deal and they're ready to meet up with Deborah Noble and her friend Yolanda Washington, who was 19 at the time. And they were just going to finally meet to get the list of names from them. Yolanda, during their meeting for the list, told them where she normally works on Sunset Boulevard. Yolanda at the time was a part-time waitress and sex worker. So Angelo and Kenny got the list, and they quickly learned, very quickly, that it was a fake. Okay. They were furious. Like, fucking furious. I also couldn't actually find anywhere how much they paid for this list of names. Mm -hmm. But I'm imagining it was probably a lot. Yeah. Which, huge kudos to Deborah for being like, oh, well, yeah, here's this like really legit list I have. That'll be like a thousand dollars. Cause at the time that would be like a lot of money. Well, yeah. She's like, you guys are stupid enough to fall for it. Right. Then. Like, honestly, like hearing that, I'm like, like, I, I, obviously you, you don't know these guys and it's like not the smartest move because they could just no. come back and yes, hurt you. But like, yeah I, I, yeah, I understand when people are in situations where they're like, I need money and these guys are idiots. Yeah. So and they're just going to give it to me. Yeah. So, but like I said, they're furious. Mm -hmm. So they have decided that they're now out for revenge. So they decided to seek out Yolanda Washington. They found her on Sunset Boulevard and abducted her. We're stopping here. Oh. You always do. I know, that. I know. You're so good at the cliffhanger. I gotta be. I'm like, okay, what's gonna happen with what's Yolanda? Happen? Oh, guys. Yeah. We're in the same boat here. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, we're stopping there. Okay. 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 I know you're like so mad. You you weren't even like ready to close the episode. And I, I I forgot that we were like doing a multi-parter. I'm so into it. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> just immersed in it. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 Yeah. We're gonna yeah. get to the rest of it. Yeah. We're gonna. Well, you and me. I'll, I'll hear right it away. much sooner than you guys will. So I am yeah. sorry. We'll have to wait a week for it. <laughs> Which, I'm going to hear it in like five minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, what's funny is like, yeah, everyone has to wait a week and you're about to hear it. And he's <laughs> like, you know, what's funny. <laughs> yeah. What's funny is you all hate me right now. Uh, but that, that is like actually a heavy cliffhanger that I think that's a good one. Cause, well, cause yeah, you've done the background and now we're yeah, sort of, uh, we're finally ramping up, jumping into the, yeah. You got your closing script ready or you got it from memory. You're good. Oh no, she doesn't. Guys, come on. I mean, we did take a break. So I was going to say, yeah, imagine I just had it. I spent the whole break memorizing like, the closing script. Yeah, like on the plane on your trip and everything. So anyways, <laughs> I'll start it off because I know you're finding it. Um, sign up to be super cool and join our cult of extremely awesome people who love true crime at www.patreon.com slash how to not get killed. And if you ever want to chat and connect with us, you can send us an email to how to not get killed at gmail.com. Or you can DM us or comment on our posts on Instagram at How to Not Get Killed. And you can follow us on Twitter at H2MGK. You can also check out our website and shop our merch at www.howtonotgetkilled.com. Thanks for listening. And keep it fucking sleazy, bitches. You better. Woo! Extra sleazy. See ya. Bye. Bye.